Hi, everybody. Welcome to another Prog Report podcast interview. This is Roy. My guest on this episode is Gary Kelly, frontman and the guy behind the band Molly Baron. They have a new album coming out on September 15th called Something Ominous. There's a few singles out right now. We talk about the new album, how he got the band together, his difficult recording process, and a whole lot more. Before we get started, just a reminder to subscribe to our YouTube channel, wherever you get your podcasts, progreport.com, and follow us on all our socials. And on my interview with Gary Kelly. Good to meet you, finally. You too. It's been a while. Yeah. So uh, have you been? Where are you? Are you in France? Is that, is that I'm, correct? I'm in, uh, I'm in Paris at the moment, yeah. Nice. I, I live in Paris. Yeah, I was dragged over here by a lady 14 years ago, so. <laughs> yeah, that'll you know, happen. Kicking and, kicking and screaming, you know. <laughs> That's cool, man. Well, good. I'm glad we got a chance to uh, to talk and do this a little bit. But I have to tell you, man, I've had a chance to to sit with this album a little bit, and I definitely liked your last album, but this one just took it, for me, to a whole nother level, and I just have been obsessed with this album for a while. And, That's amazing. Uh, yeah. And especially, uh, man, Reality Show is just like the best song. It's Whoa. So good. So good. It's, it's, it's funny, because honestly, I... I, I... <laughs> I was just saying to somebody today, some reviews have started to come in and a lot of people are saying, oh, it's it's, it's fabulous. It's this. It's better than the mutiny. And honestly, uh, before I heard anything back, I I, I had no idea. Right. I was so I was so uh, I don't know, I suppose, under stress or just anxious about this album. I felt like everything I was doing was just rubbish. <laughs> just um I suppose maybe I was just mentally exhausted. So it was very, very hard to, st now I have time to step outside the box and maybe look in, but I haven't listened to it in like four months. Yeah, I know. So I hear that from a lot of musicians. What, not listening to your own music, right? Cause you spend so much time with it. You just don't, don't hear, hear it, it normal. You don't hear it as songs, right? You just hear it as a, bits and pieces of things that you hate yeah. or that you want to change it's, or that like, you know, the Lego that you, uh, that you, you placed on the timeline and the little blocks that you're putting together and oh the chorus. I remember I didn't sit there with a guitar like Bob Dylan and add to the chorus or, 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 or cut the chorus like manually while I'm playing. No, I cut the chorus by looking at it on a timeline and going, okay, here's the fourth <laughs> bar, chop, right? that, put it here. Play it back. Does that sound more? No. Let's put a roof on this Lego house. Uh, it's just, it, music is, is obviously, obviously the creation of music has completely changed these days, you know? Right. But uh, no, um, honestly, I, uh, people have told me like in my inner circle have told me, oh, it's really good, but I, I don't believe anybody, you know? <laughs> I, I especially don't believe anyone in my inner circle. Yeah. Tell me that. So it's just when people on the outside who I, who I own nothing to, uh tell me it's good uh then i kind of maybe start believing it's good right. so roy thanks very much oh my pleasure man and i and i've been singing the praises of it for a while and i've been waiting for a reality show to be a single because i knew it was coming eventually and I you know what like... that song i think it was the last song i completely hated it uh, <laughs> absolutely detested the song had a completely <laughs> different um a completely different course at the beginning and i sent it to the guys in the band and they were like yeah it's all right it has uh don't like the chorus so i i brought it back and start to 
changed the course again. And I eventually got to the point where I said, right, fuck it, this course is fine, it'll do. <laughs> and uh, it's funny, Teresa in, in Century Media and Inside Out said, I love this song, um, Reality Show. And Thomas, also in the label, said, I love this song too. And yeah. I'm still sitting there going, I don't know why. Isn't that weird, you know? It's, just, it's funny. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll interject here as a separate point, but I had the same thing because they sent me the record, you know, months ago to listen to. And the, right off the bat, something ominous was just like, I'm like, this song's amazing. That's badass. And it was great. But then right away, I kept, I, I wrote them right back too. And I said, reality show, that's the song. I mean, we've got to do something with that song, you know? It's mad, eh? Yeah, not wild. It's, it's, it's funny. Yeah, it really is, because honestly, my perception of it is com the complete opposite to what everybody else is saying. And uh, yeah, maybe I just have to just, I don't know, I just have to take distance. I think that's probably... Well, you know, I mean, uh, there's so many famous stories like that, right? I mean, not to compare it to this song or that song, but, you know, uh, what, like Bon Jovi didn't like living on a, living prayer, on a prayer, you know, yeah. right? That's a famous one, right? I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. You hate singing it as well. I can understand yeah. <laughs> It's funny when you go to rehearsals, uh, rehearsals is such a drag. You go in and you're like, oh, I have to play this damn song again. <laughs> oh, I have to play a song I've played hundreds of times. Right. And if there's no audience there and you're just doing it to practice, holy moly. But uh, when you get in front of an audience, that completely changes, you know, their, their energy actually makes you appreciate what you're playing, you know. So you guys have, have done a few shows this summer. Some festivals and different yeah, a things. Few, a few. It's been um it's been quiet enough. Well, we have, we've done some big shows actually, but uh I was finishing off the album up until up until around April, May, and I, I had no time to do to go off and travel to shows and to uh, to rehearse or do anything like that because my time was ticking because we knew we had a six month advance for you know yourself you know to get vinyls printed you need a huge advance time everything has to be sure. ready way before it gets released and uh so yeah some some gigs we just couldn't do but we did um we did grass pop i'm not sure if you're familiar with grass pop in belgium it's yeah i saw some of the images yeah yeah oh it's wonderful there was about five or six thousands i'd say in the audience and we were i think we were first or second of the day but we were way we, we were um i think we were the very i think we we're the second band of the whole fest so everybody was full of energy mm. but um we did play as a nearly la well not last band but we in hellfest the year before we played at something like half 10 in the morning on on main stage <laughs> and everybody that came to see us had been there for two weeks straight in um in one of the hottest summers in french history in recorded history they were all melting, and but it, I could just see them in front of us. They were just dead. They just were. Yeah, when I asked for it. a wall, a, 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 a wall of death, people were like, "Oh fuck, really?" At half ten, but uh, I think they felt embarrassed not to, so they all split and did it. But um, yeah, sorry to this year. Yeah, we did grass pop. We did a good fest in um, in in the Netherlands actually with Architects, which was awesome. Um called headbangers parade and then we did another one in malmo in sweden uh called rock i think it was rock fest sweet uh Mal malmo rocks or something like that with um 
Royal Republic. Uh, I think that's about it, actually. That's about it. That Did you get a chance to play any of the new songs? Uh, yeah, those? we play Vampires. We play Vampires because we released that. Um, we actually released that last year. Yeah. Didn't know if it was going to end up on the album. But the time I by by the time I reached song nine on the album, I, I was bunched. I said, right, vampires is going on the album. <laughs> That's number 10. So um yeah. So uh So you haven't yeah. played like something ominous or breakdown or anything. I haven't played any of these live. Okay, we're gonna cool. Them, we're, we're gonna be playing them in a few weeks now when we go on tour with Sone. Yeah, so, so I wanted to talk about that tour. That's really exciting. Sone just yeah, uh, released right. their new record as well. Yeah, that was the first. I think it was the first of uh, September. Yeah, just this past good, Friday. Eh? Yeah, and, you listen uh, to and, it? and and your album something ominous comes out in two weeks on the fifteenth. On the fifteenth, yeah. Yeah, that's a great bill. I mean, you guys match up really nice. Very good energy between both bands. Yeah, I think that's gonna yeah, be awesome. it, it, it's a good match, all right. Actually, there's a there's a there's a strange history behind that because we were we were to go on tour uh, with someone in two thousand and twenty one. It was just sort of coming out of COVID. And uh, because COVID was happening, we weren't playing at all. We were just, nobody was playing, you know? So it kind of, we were given the opportunity to tour with them and we had like two weeks to prepare for a tour and we just weren't ready We because we hadn't played in so long. I think one of two of us were still on holidays. It was a total mess. So in, in fact, we had to turn it down and uh, we really regretted having to do, but we, we had to in the end. Right. So this time around, um, yeah, it just, it just came up again and uh, we put our, our, our name in the hat and um, yeah. So they, they, they said, yeah, sure. Come along on this tour. And it's a great, it really is a great match. And I haven't really, to be honest, I'm not one to listen to music very often anyway. So I didn't really know much of Sone, but uh, I did get sneaks. Uh, I did get to hear their, their full last album before it was uh, released because I yeah. knew somebody was reviewing it. And uh, it was super. It was a lot heavier than the last albums too. Yeah, but they so also write, for... uh, they, they can write a good hook like you guys, which is cool. I like they do. They yeah. do, yeah. Uh, the old hook is really important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, your your background? Actually, I'm curious. I don't know too much about it. Like, how did you get started in, in everything? Well, actually, it's, it's odd enough. Um, I I started. Uh, I actually started playing at about 14, and I stopped playing at 17, and then I literally didn't play guitar uh, until I was 39 again. Wow. I didn't pick it up again. I did. I was doing some. Sometimes I was doing kind of orchestral music, synthesizer samples and stuff like that. But it was pretty rare. So I was. Um, I've been a graphic designer forever, and I I, I decided that there was no chance I was ever going to do anything in music. You know, you just resign yourself to that. Uh, and so I, I kind of worked in the music industry in uh, design, doing albums for various bands and you did something for a genesis album right i believe that's what someone yeah, well not a genesis i did some genesis tour books genesis tour books that's what i worked for i've done a lot of work for u2 as well i've done a lot of i work for an, uh, another big band called the script i don't know if you you know sure. what you may know them but you know their songs i know that yeah i know them for sure i know the songs. oh yeah yeah, yeah. so i've I, i've actually designed all of their albums and um 
yeah, Leonard Cohn. I, I've done I've done lots of songs. Awesome. So yeah, I was in that. Um, that was one by like it, that kind of made me feel as if I was in the music industry a little, you know. Right. So the idea of ever playing in a band, like I mean, when I was a kid, I played maybe five or six gigs, one in school, one on a pub bar, a pub bar in a bar, um, nothing. Nothing, like literally nothing. Oh, I played one blues gig with my dad, who's a drummer. And uh, we were absolutely awful. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. But when I came to France, which is about 14 years ago, I had no friends here. I, had, I, I didn't know anybody. So my girlfriend bought me a cat. So that was literally my my, my booty. <laughs> I said, this, this is fucking sad. I think I need to go out and get some mate. So I did. I I answered an ad in a in just a music magazine over here. Well, uh, a music blog over here, and it was for a death metal band. So I joined this death metal band, Human Fate, just as lead guitarist. And uh, yeah, I just said, I well, I remember just rehearsing and you know, the commander uh, just just having friends with these guys all playing, and I love just going out every every weekend and rehearsing. That was when rehearsing was good fun, you know? Yeah. And, uh, then we played one or two gigs in some real dive bars, you know? And uh, I was hooked again. I was kind of back to when I was when I was 16, 17. I was like, holy shit, all these years, like 20 years, 22 years. And uh, so during that, uh, while I was in that band, I realized I didn't want to play other people's music either. So I started to... Uh, probably around 2014, 2015, I started writing the first album. And yeah, I just more or less finished, more or less finished the first album before getting the band together and uh, okay. pulling Molly Barron together in various, various forms, different members. Um, and yeah, it really started then. And then um, everybody thought I was way too serious when I was starting. I said, look, we're going to fucking... Where this is a really serious band. No, no, no girlfriends at the weekend. All it is, I was like a sort of a, a little dictator, <laughs> and uh, because I kept thinking I'm running out of time here, because I'm 39. If I'm gonna make it in show business, I gotta do it quick, you know. So anyway, um, yeah. So it just started there, and um, that was it. We just started getting just tiny little shitty gigs and. Uh, playing on in bars where you would be on a stage and the toilet was actually on the stage and <laughs> the back of a that's tractor all, those was. Those are the best stories, yeah. Uh, that's, so when you look at them now and you, we there's pictures of it and like there's there was a there's right behind a the drummer there's a toilet and during the songs like there were people coming out and walking past me as I was singing after just being in the in the jacks and uh, oh yeah it was awful and then on the back of a tractor and. Man, there was uh, some. I'm telling you, there's a book there between different bands and starting out in your first gigs. I always felt like when I, when I was in my band years ago in college, just what you know, you fuck, fucking around, a guitar a little bit. I don't really anymore too much, but um, the, it, I always felt like the gigs we were playing, you could you could write a book on this stuff. It was yeah. just so absurd and ridiculous, like just, just awful, awful, but, awful. But, but the memories of a last like. But they're fun. Yeah, at the end they're fun. Like who would have believed yeah. this? It's crazy. At the time, you're thinking. This is hell on earth. I'm so <laughs> I remember going to one gig. I was actually on the on the back of a tractor, sort of a and we were playing to, somebody uh somebody did us a favor by allowing us open. Uh, it was something like the biker fest 
somewhere in France. And it was a cold, I think it was October morning. And we got on at 12 o'clock. And there was literally, there was a, a space of about maybe 30 meters in front of us. And then there was this tent where everybody was just eating lunch. And they were just eating lunch. And we were just like an annoyance to them on stage. And we were playing. And there was one old man who looked like, uh, um, what's his name, George Martin, uh, Game of Thrones. He was just sitting there with a stick. There's one dude, he sat, he had a little bench and he was watching us and he was cheering. And he was literally the only one in the audience. And everybody else was just looking at us and we were disturbing them. It was just, honestly, it it it, it would break your heart. At the time, I was like, I'm done. Yeah, why am I, why am I doing this, right? Why yeah, am I, I doing this? This is just... But you you know you persist and you keep and you keep going and you keep going and so many doors close in your face, even for the tiniest most miserable gigs. They the person like the owner of this shitty little venue has all this power over you, you know. And he's like, no, not today. Yeah. And it's just it's hell. But but it's you know I think. Of course, it's not going to happen all the time. If you if you keep doing it, it's going to work. Of course, that's not true. But um, yeah, I think if you have, there's, there's always that belief there that something could happen, something could happen. And I think if you don't do it, you'll be more depressed if you stop than you would be doing these shitty gigs. Sure. You know? So yeah, there's that too. Uh, yeah, I think, I think it, it's this, it's, it's so, so I mean, yeah. I guess you're you're experiencing now where people are coming up to you like maybe like I do, I just did earlier and saying I really love this. This is amazing. That's great. And then That's you're great. just like, you know, the people are listening to us in the states, right? You know, <laughs> it's cool. Like uh, that's 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 the crazy thing. Like we get messages from you know people all over the place, all over the world, and and so some some people have sent us money so we can uh, you know. Uh, pay for like just before we were signed one guy sent us a thousand dollars wow know? yeah it's wild it's wild yeah and uh that really helps you know because you've you no money at all it's like you, you'll know yourself it's like uh if you're doing an album i mean it's it's a full-time job and you have to essentially stop working like for the last album I, I took a year and a half off work, like literally no money coming in. So just to work on the, just to work on the album. Cause if I had to do jobs, you get taken away from the album and it, it, it's such a distraction. It's, it's, it's actually impossible. So, well, it is for me anyway, yeah. but uh, I did that for the, for the mutiny as well. I took maybe a year and a half off work. I was actually fired from my own company <laughs> because, <laughs> because I, I, I had a company in Dublin, a design company in Dublin with two other partners. And they realized I wasn't bringing in any cash <laughs> because I wasn't doing enough work. So we, we we parted ways and I just continued on just doing music, kind of living off your savings. And uh, it's a crazy midlife crisis, I'll be honest. <laughs> but Well, it's okay. paying off. I think it's not, paying you're off. You're not going to do it. I mean, honestly, you, you would regret it if you didn't do it. And uh, honestly... I don't care about I don't care about money so much anyway. So um as long as I can pay my rent, I'm okay. And I, I can buy yeah. cars, obviously. No. You know? So I mean I was gonna ask you about this and maybe you're explaining it sort of. You seem like a perfectionist and somebody that 
goes 150 percent into it but just the just the sound quality on the record's amazing as well i mean how much time do you spend on pre-production and guitar sounds and and the mixing process and all of that to get it to where it sounds because i think stuff like this not only has to have good hooks and and all that but the mix, the production, everything, it's got to be punchy. It's got to be powerful. You've got to feel the energy from it. And I think that comes across, right? So talk about that whole process, what that's like for you. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm, I'm, um, I'm a head case when it comes to like production. I am. Yeah. I, yeah, I am a perfectionist and it's, uh, to my detriment. Sometimes it like, I can spend just, I can spend a day just twiddling just twiddling a knob just to try and get a little bit more, more distortion and more chug on the guitar or something and sometimes i'm doing it and it, it's a complete waste of time because when it goes into the mix it just gets completely devoured in the mix you don't hear it right. but um yeah for guitars uh i i i recorded for this album i recorded all the all the guitars well actually i've recorded on all the albums actually and um I would uh, and I record multiple multiple tracks, so each one has to be completely accurate to the next. You have to line up on the beat, and it's it, it's it's maddening uh, to be honest. <laughs> it's maddening, but I can't help myself. Right. So uh, yeah, I get to a point where everything is just absolutely perfect. But sometimes with that perfection, it can sound robotic. So you have to leave a little flow as well, and. Uh, uh, yeah, a little flow and a little more flow on the drums. So we, it, it, when Cammy's playing the drums, for instance, what I do is I'll uh, I'll record all the drums in MIDI. I don't record mm -hmm. them. I, I literally right. play MIDI, and then Cammy essentially takes all the stuff I've done verbatim and he he re-records it, real drums, but he adds a little bit more, a little bit more flow that and, and humanizes obviously a bit more than I can actually do in MIDI. Um, so actually the question is, what's the process? Yeah. So I, I, um, yeah, I spend a lot of time on, on synths, finding the correct synthesizers, finding the right sounds. And I'm not a great, I'm not a great synth producer. I'm not, uh, I don't have great knowledge of it. I, I know that this button gives it that kind of sound sometimes, but getting into oscillators, I'm pretty, pretty sketchy and, so I kind of just there's a lot of fiddling around until right. I find a sound and then I'll, I'll I'll save it and I'll come back to that and I'll I'll remember that sound I had from before and pop it in there so I you know uh backing vocals I do all the backing vocals as well so there's loads of different harmonies and layers oh, so the uh, the part uh, the part screaming out reality show in the chorus that's you back that's, back and forth that's me yeah that's me that's me in different different octaves yeah, sounds different. Oh, I, yeah. I'm doing a low octave, which is a shout. Then I'm doing a, a mid, and then I'm doing a high. So then, when you get to the mid, when you get to the production end, when you're trying to line it up, you're just looking at 16, 17, 18 vocals. You know, uh, maybe like eight low, eight high. Sorry, then four in the mid. Yeah, it's insane. It just, it just drives you mad. The, there's no fun. Let me just tell you. There's no fun in it. In producing. It's absolutely <laughs> fucking hideous work. Uh, but you're just aiming to get to the last. You're just aiming to get to the end. And then you can appreciate how it sounds, you know. But uh, 
during the process. My God. It's tough, a lot yeah. Of, yeah, it's tough because I don't have a producer. I'm not in a room with a mixer. I'm not in a room with an engineer. So I'm not in one room doing vocals and another guy in the other room. So I'm doing the vocals and it's up to me to judge if the vocals are good. So what I did actually was actually it was something that worked out really, really handy in the end. I my vocal boot is actually in in a close in a close in a closet where you just hang. So my girlfriend's dresses used to all be there. And yeah. it's just, I've heard people do that. Yeah. Just oh, to man, make, it's completely it's, dead in there. It's completely dead. It's the best yeah. place I could have found. It's about it's about this much wider than me. And it's probably about five foot in length. And it's just about this much higher than I am. I'm not that tall, so it's handy. It sometimes it's an advantage to be a midget. But like, so uh, when I'm singing, I always sing up. Like, because right. something when I when I bring my voice, when I bring my my uh, chin down, I have a weird, weird Eddie Vedder sign. So I have to lose that by putting it up and letting the air go out. So I keep banging my head as I'm singing, constantly banging my head off the ceiling and having to re-recorded because you'll hear reality show. In oh the, my God, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but I have, I, what I do is I, I take off my shoes. So a bit of height. Uh, just a tiny I, bit smaller. Tiny bit. Yeah. And then my, my legs aren't straight. They're like this. So I can, oh man, there's a it's lot. It's a whole of, thing. It's, yeah. There's a process. There's a process. <laughs> But what I did was I brought in, um, I got a, a small um, 16 inch screen. I have a, I brought in a, a wireless keyboard, a wireless mouse, and I put a shelf in front of my mic. So then I was singing and I was doing the engineer's job as well. So I was actually deleting. I'd sing five times. I'd listen on the phones. I'd listen back. I'd delete three of them. I keep two move on to the next part. So I was I was kind of doing a two-man job. I was doing a two-man job with one dude in there, and it was much easier to do it. And there's, the reason I don't work with an engineer is because he'll choose something that I don't like, and I know it. What I, what I like, he won't like. So, right. so there's no point in having arguments. I'll just, it's it's it'll be up to me. I choose it, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It's my fault. Uh, and it's easier because I'm a control freak, so I don't have to have those arguments. So yeah, that's that's what I did. And then with guitar, I'd sit in front of the computer. Actually, and I can, I can play. And again, I overdub many, many times. But um, near the uh, closer to the end of the album process, we we got uh, Flo, who's uh, the guitar, the new new guitar player, mm. who's a wonderful guitar player. He's a and he's a he's a young chap. He's like twenty eight. And uh, he's a he's a fabulous guitar player. He's he's actually a guitar teacher. He's technically brilliant, and I'm kind of embarrassed playing in front of him. But uh, so now I don't. I'm happy that I I don't have to play lead anymore on stage. He's going to take over all my lead. So uh, for the album, I recorded maybe one. I think maybe six of the leads are mine. Uh, maybe three or his. I can't remember which ones, mm -hmm. but um, well, something ominous is mine. But he again, he'll play it live. But he, as I say, he came in at the end of the process, so there was only two or three songs left for him to play on. Right. So he put his, um, he put his uh tracks down. And well, you can something ominous is a is a killer solo. I know. I remember I like that. that. 
Yeah, I write Solon very slow, Roy, but I, I, I'm not. I write them in tiny sections. Mm-hmm. I write the first part. I write the second part, third part, fourth part. It's not. I don't sit down like uh, uh, Guthrie Govan and just fucking go and play. I'm not. I'm. I'm not a great lead player, so I have to do it in. I have to do it in parts. Mm-hmm. So I do it more like a. I don't know. I, I do it more like a songwriter uh, right. who's writing a melody rather than something super fast with super technique. And yeah, I, do a lot, I get it. I do a lot of bending using one note to, I don't know, to, ex- to, to add expression with the one note and maybe a wah and maybe some effects, but I can't shred. I can't do any of that. So uh, put, I don't put, know, man. It sounds great. Don't even worry about it. It well, sounds that, awesome. Yeah, yeah thank that, you. The end result a, is, is, is uh, you well. That's know, the thing. If the end result works, it works. Yeah. And I, I don't care. Like I, I just love to listen. I can just listen to Dave Gilmore bending one string, right, for, for two hours. I don't need to see him shred because I'm right. not. In, I'm just not into shredding. Uh, if it's real technical shredding, I want shredding with soul that stops. That you know that. But the thing about it is, um. Flow can shred like hell, so uh, it's um, yeah, it's a good mix between the two of us. But yeah, I don't, I don't like playing solos in front of them. I'm a bit embarrassed. So. I wanted to ask you real quick uh, uh, before I let you go here. Um, just the 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 title, something ominous, is yeah. so uh, it's so uh, that right away catches your attention too, and yeah. it's and it's a weird, really cool thing to be singing. It's not something you hear sung often. I don't know. I can't recall ominous being in a chorus ever. I can't see it anywhere, and I checked. Right. I, so, so did the title come first? Did you pull it from the song? Where did that come from? I was watching, um, Metallica, the uh, the doc, the documentary, some mm. kind of monster. Right. There's some kind of monster. I was like. Oh, that sounds like something ominous, you know, and uh, that's really where I got the first idea for the some thing. Right. And I remember also a friend of mine wrote a review for our first album, which had an orb on the front cover. And it, it said uh, there's this ominous orb uh, floating over this man. Oh, no, this, this sorry, this this uh, the subject is is being pulled towards this ominous orb and i went ominous i love the word ominous yeah and you know ominous it's uh it's a total mystery we don't know what's going on you know um and i just loved it and so i said it's something ominous some kind of mystery um something unexplainable we don't know what it is so that gave me a lot of scope to write about whatever i wanted really and uh, essentially, the, the the song "Something Ominous" became uh, essentially the narrative for uh, a fake alien invasion, right? You know, set up by the deep state, <laughs> and uh, to take control of the population and to take control of the media. Well, of course, they own, they already own the media, but um, uh, yeah, and something ominous was this dark orb coming from the from the skies and the people looking up at this this there's a dark orb rising is the first um do you see the dark orb rising oh okay yeah something ominous so the the dark orb is that this fake alien probably a hologram of some sort 
Um, so yeah, and that's and, and so as I say, it gives you scope. So I started to think more ideas for something ominous. Yeah, it's cool, man. Uh, that's a great hook yeah, right there too. I, I'm really happy with that title. It's the first title that I like. Oh, actually, I like the mutiny as well. It's not too bad, but uh, yeah, something ominous. So that's where it came from. A mix of uh, a mix of fake alien invasions and uh, stealing from Metallica. Right on. So yeah. uh, that said, something ominous. The album is out on September fifteenth. You guys are going to be on tour very soon this month with Soen yeah, in Europe went and in Denmark. The first uh, tour, the first date is Denmark. I'm not, can't remember the city. But well, it's, uh, it's on your uh, website, on your socials, Facebook, website, Instagram, yeah. all that stuff. Check it out, yeah. Molly Baron. Great to talk to you, Gary. Uh, big fan. Love oh, the record. I keep telling everybody about it. So, the, so over here, they're hearing about it from me. Don't worry. Good man. Listen, thanks very much. And uh, thanks for taking the time to chat. Absolutely, man. All right. We'll talk to you soon. See you later, dude. Bye. Bye. All right. Thanks to Gary for the interview. We're going to close with a little bit of the track reality show from the new Molly Baron album, Something Ominous. The album is out on September 15th, so please check it out. For upcoming news, interviews, reviews, and more, visit parkport.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and more wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll see you soon.